0: If you fly a plane, there are certain mistakes that cannot happen because they then lead to a crash of the plane. Yeah, in that case, of course, you need you need certain certain lamps or certain uh, aspects of control, mutual uh, control, to that uh, those mistakes don't happen. But so much more often, it is about how we interact between people, and then. I much more prefer an attitude of humility and an attitude of authenticity where people interact as people and not avoiding mistakes all the time.
1: As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast.
2: Welcome to our Making Leadership Tangible podcast. I'm very excited, Rafael, to have you join us today to discuss this wonderful analogy with the background that you bring to table. Before we get into the topic, would you mind to introduce yourself to our audience?
0: Thank you, Daniel. Yes, I'm very excited to be with you here. Yes, my name is Raphael Hunsbruch. I'm uh, the Artistic Director and Managing Director of the Concert House in Dortmund in Germany, which is one of the leading concert houses in Europe, part of the European Concert Hall Organization. And before that, I also worked for several years in business. I worked as a business consultant at the Boston Consulting Group for eight years. And from my studies, I'm a musicologist. I studied musicology together with philosophy and law. And, and that might be one of the reasons you invited me for several years. I also learned and practiced as a conductor. And for now 10 years, I'm bringing these two perspectives together. The perspective of leading in a musical world as a conductor and leading in a business world in whatever business setting that is.
2: There are indeed many reasons why I'm super excited for you to join because you represent the different parts of the analogy. You're a musician, you're a conductor. At the same time, you know the business world very well. And obviously, you're, to me, kind of living that analogy also with uh, the training programs that you provide. So, in that respect, thank you very much for making the time. Starting to get into the topic, so far, we had some conversations with composers, with different conductors. And as I had shared with our audience, I'd been myself very excited to explore that analogy between a conductor leading an orchestra and and that's the world. And the other side that I know much better is leading an organization, leading a team. And there are very few aspects, a lot of aspects, actually, that we have been exploring. The ones that I would like to start to explore with you, if I recall what I've read in your book that includes aspects of that analogy, you talked about leading in the now, but at the same time anticipate the future and that leading is a lot about the future. Can you talk about that part of the analogy in terms of conducting an orchestra and making that bridge to business?
0: Sure. As you've mentioned, in uh, I, from time to time, I refer to the workshops that I'm doing because that makes quite tangible what I'm talking about. And th- this case, it already makes sense. In, uh, in my workshops where I have uh, business leaders seated next to musicians of a professional symphony orchestra, one of the exercises that I do is that I have one of the leaders, the business leaders next to me on the conductor's podium, and I let them conduct the orchestra. Mm-hmm. and what always happens then is that the orchestra slows down and slows down and the conductor then tries to make it faster, but, but after all, he or she also slows down. And this is because the orchestra tries to follow the conductor, but at the same time, the conductor always is in the t- same time zone, so to say, as the orchestra is, and therefore is not really leading, but much more following the orchestra. And mm-hmm. what I often see with unexperienced leaders that they do not have in mind that in order to lead you have to be part of the future if you look at the orchestra and the beat that the conductor gives and the conductor definitely has to be ahead of time if you for instance clap in your hands and I would conduct you and I would want you to clap loud from one moment to the other and I would do the loud sign in the moment you should clap loud that just wouldn't work so this impulse beforehand and if you not only think of one person but of a full group i always talk about the three time zones the time zone that i have to think in advance of what is about to come then the second time zone where i give the impulse for what will then come for instance clapping loud and then the third time zone is when you clap loud And I listen to that, can judge and also change my conduct. This is the kind of time zone circle that goes on.
2: Right. There were a a few detailed components that you've outlined in your book about that very aspect about working in the three time zones and kind of conducting means a lot working in the future. You talked about having a clear idea, having a clear expectation and also taking decisions and have a strong will in terms of what you want to get done can you talk a little bit about those three ingredients uh, of conducting in the here and now and in the future yeah that's maybe the other aspect of
0: this future thing that if you have a kind of cloudy idea of multiple things that you want to change at the same time you are overwhelmed or this too much information for the team that you're working with to really follow. So what I suggest to those uh, first-time conductors is to take only one decision. And the one decision could be uh, faster or slower or whatever giving impulses. But the moment they have this decision already in their mind, the orchestra is already following. And that's so interesting Mm -hmm. to see that it's much more about the inner attitude, the inner idea, the vision that you have, then the outer acting. And if the inner idea is clear, then the, your expression follows almost automatically.
2: Right. From your experience, Rafael, how does that translate from leading an orchestra to leading a business? I mean, there are a few aspects that come into mind where there is the here and now, there is the daily activity, but at the same time, there is a plan, there is a strategy, there is a budget. So an anticipation of the future result based on expectations. So can you talk a little bit more how that translates into leading businesses from your experience?
0: I mean, if you want to lead something, you need a goal, right? If there's no goal, no vision, no purpose, no nothing to follow, then what to lead for? Then it's right. only managing a process. And if we're talking more about leading than about managing, then maybe we, we should do the excursion first into how... Do we develop a goal or a vision? Then I think it, it becomes more clear what this is about the time zones in business. And what I often see that that there are ideas in a company about about what to follow, but the ideas between the various members of the team or the employees or whoever they vary so much that each one, if you if you would ask a hundred people, maybe um, you get two hundred ideas of what a goal is. And what I do in my workshops also to visualize that is that I ask the participants, the orchestra, to play a piece in different versions. Like you could take any song and sing that song in in a very happy way or in a sad way or in an aggressive way. And then I ask one part of the participants to sing it in an aggressive way, the other part to sing it in a happy way, and the third part to sing it in a sad way and then mm-hmm. you see if you have different and goals in concurrence in such an organization then you won't get to a stage where you really have a joint music something that makes it more than the individuals so coming back to your question i think what we always have to have in mind is this vision and the goal that we want to follow and derive from there our our split goals so w- what is our mm-hmm. steps and If we are not clear with those next steps, there is nothing we can hope the team to follow us.
2: Wonderful. Thank you so much for making that so tangible, Raphael. Another topic I'd like to discuss, also very much inspired reading your book, is about, you talk about the score being the operative plan. You talk about the physical position of the conductor, which is not inside the orchestra, but close to it, but a little bit from the outside. So you talk about, that strategic position of the conductor to really look and listen to the orchestra from the outside. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because the analogy that I see to leadership, without going too far into detail before you even answer my question, is that balance that leaders have to keep in terms of how much do they work in the system daily or on daily tasks, tactical tasks, and at the same time, how much are they able to abstract from them and take themselves out of the system so they can work on the system. Write a little bit more in detail about your thoughts in there from a conductor's perspective as well as then build a bridge to business?
0: You often have the situation that people come out of
2: a team into the leadership position. So they grow. They grow from inside into a leadership role. Is that what you mean? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you grow from, let's say, the cello group mm-hmm. into the conductor's position. Yeah. And you, but, but then you see that you find yourself in a totally other situation that has many aspects that you couldn't see before and if you stick to the kind of leadership that you would have had if you are for instance the first cellist of the cello group then it's likely that you miss the opportunities that you have as a conductor why because as a conductor you have other information at hand than as a cellist. As a cellist, for instance, you hear the full sound of the orchestra from a very low perspective. Low, not because you see it, but because the cello has a low sound. So the full sound of the orchestra sounds much more with the bass perspective and not with the treble perspective, Mm -hmm. not with a high pitch perspective. The other thing is that you play your own instrument, which distracts you from concentrating on other instruments. Another thing is that if you have the cello scores, then you only see your own scores. If you are the conductor, you see all scores on one page below each other, so you have the full context. Then the positioning of the conductor is in the midst of the orchestra, all faces towards you, so you can not only listen, but also you can you can see you can watch the people playing and the last thing is that you have the position that is closest to the listening position of the audience and if we have the audience as our clients so to say then you have to judge on the audience position of the sound and not on the cello position of the sound so that brings a lot of opportunities and duties so if you stick too much to the kind of leadership situation of a tellist, then you will miss the opportunities that you have with all these additional information. And to be translated into into the business world, um, of course, if you start digging yourself too much into micromanaging things, then you start thinking in operational dimensions, and then you miss the leading part. And I think, this is that we that we ourselves have to make ourselves clear of what are our advantages over the individual team members and what duties and what opportunities derive from these advantages.
2: I think you, in addition to what I had in mind, you just touched on another very interesting topic. If I got you correctly at the beginning, what you said was to grow from a individual contributor or a musician's chair or position into becoming a conductor that means become the leader Is that what you meant at the beginning so that that requires that change of awareness and change of perspective absolutely by the way is that how you became a conductor have you been a musician first and then kind of grew from being a musician to become a conductor so was that your path
0: well i mean i i, I started playing the violin when i was three years old mm-hmm. so i come from playing an instrument but there is no conductor without playing any instruments right on well, in that sense i think every leader comes from the position where he or she have been in an operational role somewhere so you always grow right and i'm Rather referring to the question of what do you have to change? For instance, I I was at BCG, at the Boston Consulting Group. And uh, for the first years, I was there as an associate and as a consultant. So I had my project leader and I was following tasks. Then when I became project leader, I had to totally swap my idea of the leader. Why? Because I was thinking a good leader should follow a certain picture of a good leader Mm -hmm. but later then i found out that it's much more about finding your personality and live that personality because Mm -hmm. this is what people are following it's not your ability or not at first your ability to perform leadership situations or leadership tasks but it's much more they at first follow your personality and if you come from a cellist position and you become the leader, then it so often happens that people think they just have to grow their kind of first cellist leadership position, but this is not true. They have to totally change their perspective on leadership first because of the value of the of being, of showing your personality, living their personality and be because otherwise you, you miss of, utilizing these advantages that you have over your team by right, not having right. your instrument having the full scores and what i've said before
2: how would that oh, translate to have. a business so growing from let's say being in a function being in sales marketing or in operations and then getting into the leader from your experience what are the biggest challenges there you perfectly described it from being a cellist and leading that section to become a conductor, what is it that you would highlight that is most important from your experience for that step to happen on the business side?
0: I think the most important thing is that people understand that the acceptance of the team does not depend on a certain leadership picture. i give you an example. If someone is king or queen of a country then people would never question if that is a king or a queen they would question if it's a good queen or a good king mm-hmm. or a bad one but the moment that someone becomes the king of a country and starts playing like acting a role of a king he or she would not be seen credible anymore right because right. they start acting like a picture of something. And what I've seen so often is that people over-exaggerate their view or the picture of, of the leadership person, they figure, or they have to fill, and then they lose credibility with the team. For instance, in a, in a conductor that is kind of conducting for, for the audience, you know, looks like a good conductor and moves and The orchestra would say, what is this for? The Mm. conductor should help us, the orchestra, to play and not to be a good-looking person.
2: Interesting. final aspect in, in that part of the analogy is what I've referred to at the beginning, the finding the right balance between working in the system and working on the system. So what I imagine in the world of a conductor working in the system is how detailed or how directive a conductor gets to the musician in terms of how exactly they should perform their contribution to the piece whereas working on the system is really to orchestrate the totality of all the different instruments the different musicians so how does that balance look like and uh, let's then quickly talk about that also how that looks like in a business in a company for example I had the chance to uh, uh, attend different rehearsals of mm-hmm. different pieces and I think I had the chance to experience really detailed work of a conductor directly, directing sometimes very detailed how exactly they would want a musician to perform. If I translate that into my world of conducting a business, it's like if I work with a specialist who is supposed to perform something very specifically, where is that kind of balance about getting too directive in terms of exactly how that person should perform it? Whereas I still need to keep the bigger picture in mind and orchestrate, not only the performance of that person, but also the the orchestra or the team as a whole.
0: The moment you start working on a new piece with the orchestra, at first get a version from the orchestra. Mm -hmm. So they are playing the piece because the conductor's baton doesn't sound. The conductor, the the stick, the little wooden stick in his hand doesn't sound. So... Mm -hmm you always start with something that comes from the orchestra. And if I look at certain solos within a larger piece, for instance, it doesn't make sense to oppose your view on someone who is an artist in itself. If I do so, this is what on a school orchestra level, that totally makes sense because you have to explain. But if you are really working with professionals, then it's much more that you have to find out what is the deeper value of what you get from that specific person. And if I get this solo from a flutist and I see something is missing, then it's not that I am posing my view, but I, I help this person to identify and to kind of dig deeper in this solo to find something that is part of his or her deeper personality, bringing that to music. And this is, I think, much more the empowerment idea of the conductor, instead of structuring or operationally doing too much in detail. On the other hand, and remember we were talking about the the full scores that the conductor has, Mm -hmm. when it comes to complicated, complex situations in a piece, it is necessary to explain something, to say, for instance, uh, look, we have here a certain passage where there is a dialogue between the second violin and the oboe. And can we please listen to only those two instrument groups? And then they would play, and everyone else is listening, so they understand what, something on the operational level of the piece. And then they can surround their own voices around that. In those cases, it's even a duty to dig deeper into the structure and explaining things, but that only is valid if it has a larger or higher goal. The higher goal is always to empower the orchestra. What I often say is uh, to make music instead of playing notes. Yeah, we want. Mm-hmm. If we all are playing notes. Actually, it's not my phrase. It's uh, the violinist Isaac Stern. Who said the greatest crime of musicians is to play notes instead of making music. Mm -hmm. And if we stick to playing notes, then we we are only on the management level. And if we come to music, then we move something. And it's always my goal as a conductor and as a leader of an organization to empower the people
2: that they can come into this stage of making music. You mentioned that word empowering twice in, in your answer. And again, it just triggers on my side, that analogy in a way based on what you've said, is that a part of that huge balance is that ultimately the goal is in an orchestra and in a business to put the right people at the right place. And I think it was Steve Jobs at one point who said, why would I hire smart and good people and then tell them what to do? That means do yeah. their job. So. The analogy I take in here is that the role of the conductor is, yes, it needs some orchestration, but through the empowering, the encouraging, it's much more a, let's say, facilitation or orchestration and so on without getting, if I use the other word, micromanaging and get too directive because ultimately they're the artists as individuals where you can't get too deep into every individual space.
0: Much more to understand the abilities of the people and having them at the right place. Steve Jobs also said, A people hire A people, B people hire C people. So there to have
2: the best people at the right places. Wonderful. One other aspect I would like to to cover that I think is part of reality everywhere in business and in orchestras are mistakes happen. And in your book, you talk about uh, the fehlokultur the culture of mistakes and how you deal with mistakes. How is that? Obviously in rehearsal, you don't have the audience yet, but how is that in a live concert where I assume sometimes mistakes happen, sometimes not maybe noticed by the audience, but sometimes I can imagine they are. I sometimes observe musicians that sometimes there must have happened something because a few of them smile. And how do you handle mistakes? I mean, obviously in rehearsal, but also in in live performances.
0: First of all, One must distinguish, if I attend a concert as as an audience, if I can choose between a concert without any mistake and a concert where every musician is on the edge of his chair, then I would choose the latter. Mm -hmm. So a mistake is not always the worst thing that can happen. It's much more important that we have something in common that we want to follow, that we have our purpose in mind. But of course it comes to mistakes, and what I say is that you have at first to rely on the peer feedback structure that you find in every organization. Uh, What do I mean? If a mistake happens, it's not only the leader that will recognize that mistake. Often the leader is the last person that recognizes that mistake. But at first, the one making the mistake will know very well that there are other colleagues that have noticed and because everyone doesn't want to be judged over time as the one making mistakes all the time, we can rely that on a self-correcting team, I would say, yes where you do not necessarily have to say there was a mistake and what can we do to make it better. If I would do so in a rehearsal and think of if I have to conduct a two hours concert and I have only six hours of rehearsal beforehand, so it takes already to only play it through, it takes two hours, and I have four more hours to repeat. So I cannot stop at any mistake, at every mistake and explain and talk about it. I would totally miss my my real job my real job is to see where are uh, structural kind of system related issues that I have to correct between departments between the the instrument groups where self correcting is not an opportunity because the people sitting in the team are not aware of the full picture so i have to help here to understand to let them understand the issue so in a concept, if there a mistake happens only once i would just ignore it if the same mistake would occur the second time i would let the person but very secretly know that i have recognized that mistake but more to encourage that person to to avoid it or to next time be more concentrated or whatever Mm -hmm. The worst thing for a musician is if you're afraid of a certain part in your piece where you know the mistake might happen because Mm -hmm. then you will never get to the stage of making Mm -hmm. music here. You will always be concentrating on the technique. and That is not helpful for the overall outcome.
2: I think what's very refreshing and encouraging of what you said pretty much at the beginning of your answer is Do you intend and target to play safe and avoid mistakes, or does every musician and you as a conductor even encourage and empower all the musicians to get on the edge, which increases the risk potentially of making mistakes? But at the same time, this is where I would assume in orchestra world as well as business world, where individuals grow, where we grow as a business, and where also we know that growth happens not inside a comfort zone but outside or maybe exactly on the edge of comfort zone yes
0: yes yes. yeah i mean if you fly a plane there are certain mistakes that cannot happen because they then lead to a crash of the plane yeah in that case of course you need you need certain certain lamps or certain uh, aspects of control mutual control to that those mistakes don't happen but So much more often it is about how we interact between people and then I much more prefer an attitude of humility and an attitude of authenticity where people interact as people and not avoiding mistakes all the time.
2: Yeah. Very very refreshing and encouraging perspectives uh, Rafael. Moving towards the end of our conversation one last topic I want to to touch because of what happened in the last year one and a half years the the pandemic has changed the world the arts has suffered a lot with shutdowns and lockdowns. You leading an orchestra, you leading an organization, would you mind to touch on leading in times of crisis where the business model was maybe dead from one day to the other, at least for a time, and how you keep your teams motivated through such kind of difficult times? What is
0: the crisis in a concert? <laughs> but maybe that's another topic. Yes, I think if I look back the last 14 months that we are in COVID crisis now, in at least in Germany, it took us something like two weeks uh, where we had to sort out and to quickly reorganize but then there was the point where one of our team members said okay if we look into the future what opportunities do we have and that triggered something so from that moment I started going into a scenario and strategic thinking and I tried and I always tried to take the full organization with me into this kind of thinking otherwise you stick in the crisis and that doesn't help. And that even less helps your organization in future. This is the way we were acting all the time. And because of that, we were able to be very innovative in the crisis. But then there, of course, is also the interaction between people. And of course, I have a, a weekly video call, all staff. We had a very beautiful Christmas party where everyone got some ingredients for the proper dinner and we had a live cooking with our concert house restaurant on Zoom. So everyone stayed on Zoom, I think, at least four hours and the last person left the Zoom at 5.30 in the morning. So, <laughs> oh. so another aspect is, now, of course, also interdisciplinary tasks to have yeah. the various people working together. I think that's maybe the most important thing in this time that they do not stick in their silos, but Mm. they
2: interact. Yeah. Thank you very much, Rafael, for sharing this as well. And big thank you for your insights, again, from both worlds, the orchestra world and conducting as well as your experience in the business. Thank you very much. All the best to you and your organization. And definitely hope that things opening soon again, that Your wonderful orchestra is going to be in front of an audience soon again, and business will not probably be in a new normal, but a new better through all the innovative things that your team and you came up with. Thank you so much. Thank you, Daniel.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team, that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Sound Press, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.